Hey guys, this is Crazy Juicy Love Entrepreneurial Series. I'm going to be talking with top CEOs, creators, top entrepreneurs, and they're going to be sharing their mistakes, tools, tips, and insights to get you to get out of your bed and have a career that you love. This is Crazy Juicy Love Entrepreneurial Series. So hey guys, welcome to the Crazy Juicy Love, Juicy Love Podcast uh, Entrepreneur Series. And I have an, an amazing guest all the way from Sweden, <laughs> Tobias. He is the creator of Night Owl Vision. Thank you, Tobias, for being here. Thank you very much for having me. Uh, yes, it's-, it's so great. You know, we so Tobias and I worked how many years ago? <laughs> That's about eight years ago. Yeah, that was a very special way of meeting. <laughs> <laughs> yes. So we worked on the film together with Thai boxing, and I really loved it. And, you know, and we've stayed, you know, contact over the years, but like recently started to, you know, maneuver back into each other's lives and what you've been doing. And I, um, you know, one, like your Instagram and and yet the photos that you post are just absolutely gorgeous. Oh, and um, and that's one of the reasons why I loved working with you and love um, seeing your work. Because I, I actually just watched your your um, video on your website. And it's, I mean, it is gorgeous. And you're so talented. And I just want everybody to know who you are and see your work. And I thank you for making art. Thank you for making art. Oh, thank you very much. That's very nice of you to say. (laughs) Now you're making me blush. (laughs) (laughs) You know, tell me, how did you come up with Night Owl Vision? Like, what have you been up to? Like, just tell me about Night Owl Vision. How did you even come up with that name? All right. Yeah. Well, I mean, uh, we met in uh, when I was in film school. So I graduated film school in 2011. Mm-hmm. I came back to Sweden and uh, I needed to get work. And uh, <laughs> naive as I was, I was like, hey, cool. Now I'm going to get hired to direct something big, right. probably. Cool. <laughs> I, and now I have my education. Now I'm an educated filmmaker, which is ridiculous now when I look back <laughs> by how my mindset works. <laughs> Uh, but anyway, so um, I had to, uh, I realized soon that no one's going to hire me. So I needed to have a uh, company by myself so I can, you know, just invoice and all that stuff. So I started my company and uh, I was just named after me, Tobias Olsen. That was all it was called. Very boring, very bureaucratic. And uh, <laughs> can I change this. Can't we make something cool out of this? And, uh, you know, I'm big into comic books, and I always were. Um, Haven't been reading comic books uh, the last two years or something, for some reason. I don't know why, but uh, I'll get back into it. But anyway, one of my favorite comic books was called, or is called, Watchmen. It's Mm. uh, probably one of the... I have that. It's great, right? (laughs) Especially, uh, I know I have to cut you off, I have the, um, the Kindle version, and the visuals are just like, 
beautiful and gorgeous. Anyway, is that the one where the pictures are moving? Slightly? Yes, it is. It goes in and out like it's it's really gorgeous and and beautiful to like really? just to like have and look at. <laughs> right? No, it is. Uh, I mean that 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 book that story that's that's some dense stuff right there. Right. Like every time I read it, I find something new about it that I love. But anyway, so one of the main characters in Watchmen is called uh, Night Owl, and uh, yes. he's kind of this nice guy that sort of uh, is a middle middle aged, uh, slightly overweight white man who just left the, the whole superhero era and. Mm. Uh, it just has this great heart, and uh, he's kind of a like he's not really one of the tough ones. Mm-hmm. So like Rorschach is the cool character that everyone loves, and he has this whole no compromise mantra and whatever. And Night Owl sort of just hangs around next to him, but he's sort of the conscious of Rorschach, mm-hmm. and he becomes he gets this big place in this whole story. And towards the end, it's all about him, and he's in the love relationship with uh, Silk Spectrum, blah, blah, blah. So that was always the character that I, for some reason, gravitated towards. I just loved him because of uh, his warm heart mm-hmm. <laughs> that he always wanted to do good. And uh, I also liked Owls. I, uh, I love Owls. <laughs> uh, I've only seen like an owl three times in my life. Uh, so I, yeah, that's I kind of stole Night Owl from the character from Watchmen, but I did change it a little bit. He doesn't spell it the same way as I do. I do night as night of day, and yes, uh, night as a knight in shiny armor. Ah. So, uh, and then uh, vision, it just rang nicely in my head. Right, right. <laughs> so, uh, yeah, that's, uh, so I started a company 11, uh, 2011, sort of like that, and uh, wasn't really going to do anything with my production company. Uh, it wasn't going to be a brand in the beginning, um, like with the logo and all that stuff. All that stuff came later, uh, much later, uh, when I realized that um, I, uh, I needed to take my, my stuff to the next level. And that was about two years ago or something like that. Um, I finished a couple of projects. I was working with a lot of, uh, uh, you say like corporate films and all that stuff. And I wasn't really happy. Mm. Um, and I couldn't, I didn't really, I had a hard time realizing why I wasn't happy. Um, because I was making, I was making a living doing what I, what I love, but I wasn't really doing what I was in love with. Mm-hmm. I was making videos for other people and I wasn't trying out stuff. And it became really obvious when I went to film festivals and watched movies. And then there was a Q&A with the director afterwards and they were talking about uh, their passion project. Uh, even I don't care if the movie was good or if the movie was bad, but there was a person that, that put their soul out in front of all of these people and now, now had the guts to stand in front of all of them and take questions about mm-hmm. their very personal work. Mm-hmm. And I was just sitting there and I'm like, I can relate to all of these, all the filmmakers at this festival for being a filmmaker, but I cannot relate to what this mm-hmm. guy is doing right now. And why can't I do that? Mm-hmm. And I realized it was because I hadn't created the space where I could fail. Mm-hmm. Wow. I had created a job for myself, mm-hmm. uh, an income. And um, so uh, I, 
got a part-time job teaching film uh, for students. It's a 60% way, uh, job, just so I could pay my bills. And then I sort of revamped my whole film world and uh, just took less and less client jobs. Now I'm taking a lot of client jobs again because we're, I'm getting married in September. So congratulations again. Thank you very much. Uh, so, but uh, so um, anyway, um, I realized that I never wanted to work with film. I oh, I wanted to make film. Mm. That was I realized, and that's when I put together my website and did all these things right here. And um, I had a couple of friends that was helping me out with uh, advice, and the, the uh, we had a couple of conversations about, well, is this really marketable? Um, and just think about when a client will get uh, gets onto your website, how will they perceive you and blah, blah, blah. And I eventually just went, no, no. See, that's not what I'm doing now. Now I'm doing me. Mm. I don't really care about the clients at this point. <clears throat> uh, if a client comes into my website and they love it, then we should definitely work together. Mm. <laughs> then there might be something to do. But if they if they go into my website and see my stuff and they're like, yeah, uh, I have a hard, hard time seeing this uh, guy making my um, commercial, then yeah, maybe we shouldn't work together. Because uh, now I'm really trying to do me <laughs> for the first time in many years. <laughs> right. I mean, that's. I mean, I really, I really love. You have so many rich and great jewels in what you're saying. Like I, uh, I never want to work for film. I want to, you know, create, you know, the film. And I, and I really love that. And like, it's really lovely what you're saying. I mean, I got you like just dropping some some diamonds for me right now. And <laughs> and. Um, you know, it really resonates with me because you are setting a standard. You're creating a boundary for yourself. You're you just, you want to work with people who want to work with you, mm-hmm. and um, that who wants to create beautiful and work that who connects with you, not like you're like have to compromise who you are for someone else. Somebody who fits into your world and say, "Hey, let's work together," because I think that we have something to we connect. Mm-hmm. And, I, and I really love, and it's something else. Like I, basically, what you're saying is something in your website. Um, whereas it, it says, you know, uh, in order to tell a great story, we need the courage to reach deep within ourselves, all the way into the core. Then take what we discover and bring it out into the world. And it's like what you just said is like really you tapping into your core and say, "Hey, what do I want to create?" now mm-hmm. you know so how, i mean even that whole statement like where did that even come from like because i don't really hear a lot of filmmakers talk like that they're out to produce what they think is popular so they can just get a whole bunch of followers get a whole bunch of likes and do whatever like how did you or what work that you've done on yourself i would say maybe that you started to really tap into that core of yourself and like, no, this is what I'm passionate about. This is what I want to create and bring that passion out forward. Uh, was writing. I, I, I stopped writing uh, years ago and I picked it up like three years ago again, or two years ago, sort of when I did this whole thing. I started revamping the whole, my whole <laughs> life because um, I felt like I wasn't really... I wasn't really a writer. I wasn't really good at that. I was. Uh, that was. Uh, that was very lazy of me to 
to not to not write when you're a filmmaker you have to write you have to write constantly it's the biggest thing you have to know like it's more important than anything else to have a good screenplay but i forced myself to write and then i realized that i actually love it and i am now dependent on it not only that i not only to that i'm writing screenplays but just not a journal but i i write to sort of figure out my ideas because i realize sometimes when i talk to people i <laughs> my mouth can't really uh keep up up right, right. <laughs> <laughs> so writing really helped me that to just get my thoughts down about something hey i'm doing a film about this specific subject uh, so how do i really feel about that and then I just write around that. And suddenly I realized that I started to tapping into stuff within myself that I didn't really knew that I had in me. And uh, as I, you know, there's these filmmakers, because I realized all these filmmakers that I love, that I look up to, they always have something to say. Like they always have something to say. And, and share some of your, the filmmakers you look up to before you go. Oh, uh, David Lynch for me is the bee's knees. He uh, he sort of saved me when I was going to quit film. Uh, or his films sort of saved me when I was going to quit film. I didn't. I I found no love in it. I forgot why I started doing it in the mm. first place, and then I started to watch his movies for some reason. Um, and I was reminded of the joy of making a film. Uh, like how fun it can actually be to create something and, and try stuff that and let yourself fail uh, and uh, his films are just amazing I'm not saying that David Lynch is failing <laughs> quite the opposite but just to have the guts to try to do something differently uh, but they, yeah David Lynch is my my favorite um, definitely my favorite um, Stanley Kubrick uh, Andre Tarkovsky. Yeah. Oh my God, that list is very long, Jimmy. If I start with that, I know, I know, I know. But I know one of the one of the ones one of the ones that we shared was Quentin Tarantino. I was wondering if you're still a fan of him. Still a fan of Quentin Tarantino. Love him. Yeah, <laughs> he's amazing. Yes. I can't wait for his new picture to come out. Uh, Once upon a time in Hollywood. Uh oh. I need to look uh -oh. it up. I haven't been. Oh yeah. <laughs> But, but I don't know. If I, yep. So you were just sure. going back into like the core, you know, just tapping into that. Like, because why is that important? Because I, you know, even I was sharing with you one of my friends of like he just wanted the results of the film, right. which is not a place to start. Um, at least in my opinion, it's, it starts with the core. What you're saying, because that's that's where the juice comes from when you step you're tapping in the core because you start to reach other people's core and what matters to them and really tap it into an emotion or a situation that can move people to get up and do something and even to create the things that you're creating. Right. So why is, why is that important for you to start tapping well, into that core? Yeah, well, that's how you connect with people. Um, 
self knowledge is very important when you're mm. when you're creating something, and uh, that's something that you I don't think you ever become 100% good at. That's a that's a long journey that ends with us being put six feet under. <laughs> I guess. <laughs> well, that's the that's the adventure, and uh, also I mean you have to sort of you have to really work hard at that, and if you want to resonate with your audience. Uh, mm. I mean, you have to put yourself out there. You have yeah. to have to just do it. And in order to put yourself out there and have it be real and genuine, you have to you have to dig really deep inside. What do I feel about this subject right. here? And sometimes it's not really. Uh, you don't really have to be very um, black and white when it comes to to some of the stuff you want to tell in your story. Mm-hmm. Something can be left for your audience to to. Uh, interpret and that can also be cool like you leave small pockets small spaces for people to figure out come up with their own ideas about different subjects but yeah i don't know if that explained it (laughs) yeah i mean it was good you know and i want to you know because you said this a couple of times you know isn't to create space to fail and i really love that because you know as i was sharing with you one of my friends you know was from what I'm getting is really scared to fail. And it's one of the, you know, most important things I think <laughs> in order to create great work, you gotta fail. You know what I mean? Right. And, you know, there's this uh this this coach that, you know, said this thing to a group of coaches and they were like, when you see anybody successful, that they're just a a series of failed results that really got them to where they are yeah. and it's like yes <laughs> like you know so talk about that like i mean because i know a lot of filmmakers are you know i have you know even though i'm not a uh, an actor anymore but i still have active friends and i just see them playing it so safe all the time and i'm like i always push my friends and this one particular friend and and in particular and I always and I say to him, I say, I said, you play it safe. You surround yourself you surround yourself with people who play it safe. That's why you don't have the career you want. You don't have the agent you want. You don't have the films that you want because you're playing it safe with people mm-hmm. who are playing it safe who don't know how to take themselves to a level, next level. He's in a you know a small pool trying to be the big fish. It's like, no, when are you gonna step out of that and put yourself in the bigger pond? with big fish right you know so why is it important to you because it, it seems to be something that you probably I'm not, I'm not sure you tell me that you put yourself in situation to fail in order to learn and grow yeah well it, it's it's super important it's the only way that i can grow and it's not a it's not a fun it's not fun to fail it's pretty devastating (laughs) but it's uh um i have a 13 year younger sister that just turned 20 and when she was graduating i held a speech for her and that's sort of where Hmm. i figured it out in the middle of the speech because i hadn't written the speech i don't know why i thought i was but (laughs) like so if i were you now if i could go back to when i was 20 years old i would just pack my bags go on a trip and just fail like a moron for two years of your life and then come back because you're gonna as long yeah i mean yeah just live life and uh uh, to the fullest and do what you love unless you want to be an axe murderer and do not (laughs) (laughs) but (laughs) other than that it's just uh uh and uh that really uh i 
I could see that it resonated with her and, she, and that's sort of what she's doing now. She's putting herself out there and really trying to trying to fail <laughs> as much as possible. Um, every, like, I, I just finished a short film. Um, one of my friends told, told me this, that you never make it, why, why, why would you ever make it easy for yourself? You never do that. It's always, hey, we have this camera. Uh, I don't know how it works, but what if we put it up here? <laughs> we figure it out. But um, I guess I made a, I made a short film uh, last year, that was going to take me a couple of months to finish. I thought it took me a year. Uh, I've never failed this hard in my entire life. Every all the decisions I made in making this film was wrong, <laughs> pretty much. And yesterday we had a uh, release party where we mm. we screened the film and we all had drinks and food and it was great. Um, so today I'm I'm feeling a little bit uh, exhausted in terms of. It's finally over. I did it. It took me a year to finish this thing. Wow. Um, but I had an idea. This was where I was going to shoot a whole film from a police dashboard camera in a police vehicle. You know those, um, I don't know dashboard if you cams. see. Yeah, it's just a dash camera. So the whole film is from that perspective. And it's all about the police officer that's out driving in the middle of the night and something weird happens uh, at the side of the road. I had nothing to say with this film. By the way, this was a small 10 minutes short horror film I was year? trying out. It took me a year. I had wow. it, it was shot in February. It is a one take film where I obviously cut in it in different places, uh, trying to mask them out so we don't see that the movie is actually cut. It's supposed to feel like everything happened in one single take. Mm -hmm. And I had kids there and uh, mm -hmm. police vehicles and guns and all of this weirdness and it was so hard, Jimmy, <laughs> to get this right. And I couldn't do it with a crew because um, I figured this is such a weird idea. No one has ever tried this before. Uh, so I'm probably going to fail miserably. So I'm, I better get people that are willing to fail with me. Mm -hmm. So I uh, gathered up all my, my best friends and family members and did it the old school way that I loved to. That's the way I started making films when I was a, a small child with my friends and family. Mm -hmm. And we all made this film. And when you're watching it with all the people that you love, everyone had a, a part in it. And uh, it's, a, it's an amazing feeling. And it sort of gets me back to what I love about filmmaking. Mm -hmm. You just you have this crazy idea and you gather all of these people and suddenly you're there and you're shooting, you're making this thing that you dreamt of mm -hmm. for hours and hours and hours and hours. And then suddenly you just stand there and it's <laughs> on a, it's on a big screen and you're like, huh, how did I do that? <laughs> <laughs> Why? So, so tell me, tell me, share with us, like, what is one moment in that process that you failed miserably? Like, take, take me, take me to that moment. Wow. Oh, there was so many of them. <laughs> um, oh my God. Yeah. Um, what was the worst moment where I thought everything was going to go? Um, Cause I'm sure working with kids, kids can be a challenge. Especially when it's, um, like minus five degrees Celsius. I don't know what that's in Fahrenheit, but that's really effing cold. No. <laughs> Sweden in February, uh, snowing, and uh, the kids weren't supposed to wear like outdoors clothes. 
so I could only have them outside in the cold for a co- like a minute, and then jackets, put them back in the car, heat. <laughs> oh my <laughs> goodness! Uh, so that was one thing. But uh, I mean, the kids were pretty okay. I that's one of the things. I'm. I think I'm actually. I'm pretty good with kids. Mm-hmm. For some reason. I I've never had a problem with a kid on set. You hear it's supposed to be a nightmare, right? Yeah, yeah. Yeah, knock on wood, it hasn't happened to me yet. The kids were the smallest problem. Um, oh yeah, we had a police vehicle, and now because this film was shot in a specific way, renting a police car is really expensive. So I I found a guy that owned a car that looked that was the same Volvo model as the Swedish police cars here. So I borrowed his car uh, for like $50 for the weekend. And then uh, we dressed it up with uh, police vehicle like tapes and stuff decals, like that. Yep. Right, decals. Uh, and we only did it on the side of the car where it was supposed to be seen. Mm-hmm. Uh, and we put it exactly Actually, the way a police vehicle has it, the only problem with that was that uh, the dashboard camera won't catch it. Mm. So I dressed up a whole vehicle to police to look like a police car, That's... and the camera never caught it. <laughs> I couldn't no. use the car. <laughs> so for the, at the last scene, I was like, okay, to one of the actors, when you grab the camera and get out of the car, because that's what happens, he grabs the dashboard camera, I need you, I need you to put the camera down a little bit so I can see the decals in the car, just so I can get some sort of value. Oh, gosh. But anyway, so we had a half-made police vehicle, and the first scene we shot, it was horrible. Everything went wrong with the camera, and when it finally worked, because... Uh, I had a GoPro and it was sort of operating from a GPS signal because I was using an iPad as a monitor. Because we were out in the middle of nowhere, that GPS signal just shut down, kept shutting down the camera mm-hmm. in the middle of it. And this whole film was one singular take. Right. So that couldn't happen. I can't cut. But once I finally, it finally worked, this stupid camera finally worked, <laughs> a real police car comes up. And he's like, he just drives up next to our car and he goes, hey, what's up? What's cooking? What's what's happening over here? You know, we're like, we're, we're shooting a movie. I promise this. And he's like, oh, cool. What type of movie? He just wouldn't get it. Oh, that, no. Hey, you need, you're in the middle. Can you just leave? And then suddenly I yelled at the police officer. Get the fuck out of here. <laughs> oh, and he, and he just drove, drove away, which also is very weird. I mean, he, uh, just, <laughs> he was like, oh, sorry. And then just took off. Um, so that was that was horrible and that was also one of the times where we had the kids outside in those mm-hmm. like five or six degrees minus celsius and uh i have to now talk to this cop and the kid is just standing outside freezing oh, no. and i'm like oh <laughs> too much wrapping at the same time please leave that was one of the worst moments and then you have to uh, sort of gather yourself and okay we need to do this all over again because this is not working. Right. And um, I, I, I was able to get three shots that night. Mm. I had planned ten shots. Uh. I came three shots. Uh, so that was that was pretty devastating. But we used the second shot. The second shot was actually the one that was in the movie. Right. Mm. But that was horrible. <laughs> So talk to me about some of the mistakes, you know, when I was up uh, that mistakes that filmmakers do. And I, when I, I did a, I was a DP for a film. Um, one of the common, well, the, first of all, 
the guy picked me to be a DP for a film. I just wanted to help out. And I was just like, just trying to like, you know, when I was acting, just be in more film. And this guy, I met at an event, he liked me. He's like, hey, I'm, you know, uh, he was a filmmaker. And he said, hey, I'm going to start this film. I'd love you to come on board. Let's see where you fit in. I said, okay, you know, I'm the director, blah, blah, blah. And, and, and the director liked me because I asked a lot of questions and, you know, I've had experience in film and stuff like that. Um, and I will say this too. One of the reasons why I loved working with you is because you are very organized and the people you surround yourself are very organized and I find that a lot of filmmakers aren't organized when on film and I literally told this guy was wanting to shoot this this 10 minute thing had no um, structure and I was like no we're not shooting this film without a list, a shot list. I was like, right. I, you want me to be on board? We need to break this thing down. And by data. So what are some of the common mistakes you see young filmmakers make? Oh, that's definitely one of them, but the one that you just said, not showing up with a shot list, not having an idea. Think they're going to wing it on set. You need to plan for like a hurricane, like you need to right. plan for absolute failure. Yeah, you you're planning for war. And <laughs> yeah, I make, like it's just really horrible. <laughs> you have to really plan every little single bit because I've never, I've never stepped foot in a, on a shoot that just went completely smooth where nothing happened. Right. Uh, and also that's, I mean, I make a shot list uh, for people who doesn't know what the shot list is. It's just um, uh, where we put the camera to uh, to gather all the shots needed for the edit, really. Like what, what are the, all the angles that we need to shoot in order to uh, make this scene? Um, and uh, I mean, I never really go through the shot list. Like I never make the shot list on set. I've never been on a single shoot where I was able to get everything I wrote down on a shot list. And most of the time, something weird will happen that will force us to just throw those, throw that shot list away and just act on instinct. Um, Cause stuff like that happens all the time. It can be like a crew, crew truck failed. And now suddenly you don't have all the equipment that you needed or I mean, it can, it can be so many things and you just have to be ready and go. And uh, all that stuff only comes with uh, experience. Like, yeah. and if you have made a shot list, you thought the scene through so many times that you should be able to act on instinct. But people that just show up and doesn't have, uh, that hasn't done all the prep work, they usually don't know their scene very much. Right. Um, and the second mistake I've seen a lot is to not listen to your actors, mm. to not see this as a collaboration. Because mm. uh, when you get an actor to make a, uh, when you um, hire an actor to uh, for your film, you're not only hiring a person, or at least that this is not how I see it. I'm not hiring a person that's perfect for the part. I'm also hiring a coworker. Right. Like what can this person having the conversation, having a conversation with the actor, is almost as important. I mean, it's almost even more important than them doing a great read because you know how it is with auditions. That's just very <laughs> uh, it's awkward. 
it's where it feels like a meat market in and out we're just looking at you very uh uh superficient it's just ah uh, damn it i i really hate auditions and that's, that's really interesting that like you as a filmmaker why do you hate audition because like i'm sure as an actor it's like already weird on this side why is it yeah. weird for you and what advice can you give i know we're gonna jump in a little bit but as a director watching an audition like like why is it weird for you and what actors should know when they walk in to be more at ease right yeah that's a, that's all i mean hate it is also a strong word i don't hate auditions I, there's a very i mean there's a purpose for them that's very important you right. need to test people out obviously but um I, i just want people to feel comfortable when they walk in there like i don't when i see someone that's super nervous i feel really sorry for them and i <laughs> don't want them to feel that way so I, i'll rather just throw the papers out and we can have a conversation instead let's mm. just not do this let's talk about just feel i want people to feel comfortable when they're on even like an audition but also especially when you're on a shoot this is an environment where we we are allowed to fail where we're allowed to try things out where we can have conversations obviously you can't have all of these conversations with all of your actors but the right. main actors obviously if there's a player that's yeah doing something small and you're probably not talking very much to that person but um like a lead character Yeah, that's a collaboration for sure because they always come with the best ideas. I mean, if if I were one of those dictators, directors that just go no my way or the highway, right. all of my movies would be horrible. <laughs> But really leaning on your coworkers and listening to them, listening is super important. And sometimes you see an actor go, "Hey, uh, I have, you know what? No, no, don't worry. Yeah, no, nothing." That's when you really, really need to wield them in. Like, no, no, say it. Mm. What was on your mind? Tell me. Tell me. It's cool. Just tell me what was on your mind. We can have a conversation about it. And uh, being able to, in the middle of a shoot or uh, between scenes, let's say when the, the cameras are setting up, or uh, take like five or ten minutes just to joke around with the people around you. Mm. Yeah. Uh, Just have a fun conversation where you're laughing and just having a having a good time because it's supposed to be fun as well. Right. And then, okay, cool. We need to work. Let's do this. Um, to create a safe environment for uh, your actors and uh, your coworkers, I think that's very important. Yeah. I will yeah. always get the best results. And I know one thing. I'm. I'm, I'm hopefully, I'm. I'm I, I would most guarantee it's probably still sure uh, true for you. Like. You've always surround yourself with one people who you know are super talented and people you trust. Like, how important is that to your creating your films? Oh, it's the most important thing, probably. And that's 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 a thing I pride myself in. I know because you're like very uh, almost very close with most of the people you work with too. Yeah, very close. Uh, and that's uh, I pride myself in surrounding myself with great people. And uh, that's because I'm nothing without these people. Nothing, 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 nothing. Uh, and uh, I mean, my fiance Josephine, she's she's a nurse, uh, but she still produces my stuff. Uh, and, <laughs> um, I, I can't work without her. There's not a single video or film, short film, or client work even wow. that I that I don't filter through her before wow. I send it out because she's the one that will 
he's very good with constructive criticism. Mm. Like really good with that and just telling you, like picking out small pieces, small details, but also looking most importantly, the big picture. Mm-hmm. Am I hitting on the big emotions in this right. particular scene or whatnot? She's very good with that and she's always honest. Um, and sometimes, even though it's constructive criticism, and um, I've been trying to make a specific scene work for a long time, and I finally think I almost got it, even though I know in the back of my head I'm not even close. She comes in and she looks at it. It can be really hard, rough. <laughs> <laughs> I'm sure. Oh my god, killing me! Yeah, with her, it's like she's killing you because of the the, the constructive criticism she's criticism. giving you. Yeah, this is not working, honey. And I think you know it. Right. <laughs> well, so- she's like, she's calling it out. She's like, she see you over there struggling. Like, what are you doing? Why are you making this whole hoopla about something you know you probably need to cut or edit or add or yeah. take away? You know? Um, yeah, it's, um, yeah. She's my, oh my God, I, I think I could have, I wouldn't be anywhere uh, if it wasn't for her. Uh, she really, uh, yeah. And she has she knows nothing about film in terms of uh, like when we start when we uh, started dating uh, all these years ago, she wasn't very interested in film at all, uh, didn't really care, mm-hmm. and uh, now she's just a producer. All of a sudden, she fell in love with the craft and the process, mm-hmm. and uh, yeah. Well, let's talk about that a little bit. So, you know, there's I'm sure there's a lot of filmmakers out there who. You know, a lot of creative people in particular really struggle with have that work-life balance and relationship balance or they don't have a spouse that uh, or a partner that understands what it takes to be in this, you know, filmmaker world. So, mm-hmm. I mean, t- and if you can share, like, talk about the dynamic that's important to have not only you know, healthy creativity in your life, but like to have a healthy create dynamic between the person you, you love and how do you, how do you guys navigate through that? Like what are some of the tools that you use? How do you communicate? Um, like how do you create boundaries? Like how do you support each other? It's a, uh, it's a, it's a constant evolving struggle. Um, but mm-hmm. I think we're way better now than we were many years ago. What was some of the struggles uh, you you dealt with and how did you, and where are you now? How do you... Um, it was me never stopping to work. Like I never took a break. Mm. Never, 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 never. And being very self-righteous about it. Like I'm, I can't go to this birthday party. Don't you see I have way more important things to do? Mm. Uh, being sort of a, uh, yeah, not really seeing the other person mm. uh, because I was I had such a tunnel vision it was ridiculous almost it was uh, yeah uh, and then also her walking into my office when I'm in the middle of something very focused and just talking to me about something very unrelated uh, that's not that wasn't really very important and me not really seeing that she's only doing this because she's sort of looking for attention hey can we just, can you just not sit in here like a hermit? (laughs) 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 Uh, And also, I mean, I was, um, yeah, um, 
when I wasn't really in a good place when I was only doing client work, uh, like I told you before. So I was kind of unhappy because uh, at the same when she would when she would walk in on me and uh, sort of want my attention, uh, and I would maybe lash out on her. Uh, I also really wanted to leave the computer and just be with her. At the same time, I really didn't want to sit at a computer in the first place and do this video because I wasn't really happy with the work. Mm-hmm. Even. Mm-hmm. Uh, and it's very different when I'm doing something like a, like a short film for myself or like a little art house film or whatever. And she walks in, in the middle of me working. Mm-hmm. I couldn't care less. Great, you're here. Wow. <laughs> I love to see your face. It's very different. Uh, um, but how we how we learned was really um, yeah just communicating. Uh, I, I I had to realize that what I was doing was wrong, and it started coming from my friends. They were like, "Yeah, are you working again tonight?" Right. Cool. So, what was the moment that like snapped you out of it and said, "Oh, I need to prioritize my relationship too"? Um, there was many small moments, but there's one big moment where I. Uh, I was, I, I've, told, I've always been a, a big traveler and uh, I've always been a, since I was a small child, uh, I'm, I've always been very good with uh, entertaining myself. Mm-hmm. <laughs> alone has never been a problem for me, uh, my life. I'm fine with being alone. Uh, I loved it to a certain degree. And then after being with Josephine, uh, my fiance, I think two or three years into the relationship, I started to get really sick, almost physically ill, when I was when we were going to leave each other and not be around each other. Uh, I was going to go to America for three months or whatever on mm-hmm. a trip, and uh, she was going to come in the middle of the trip and just hang out for a week or two, and then I was going to drop her off as JFK, and I just couldn't. I cried and I cried and I cried because I just wanted to go with her. Uh, I cannot be without you anymore. <laughs> mm. um, it was, uh, I don't know what happened with me there, but I changed completely 180 degrees. And uh, I love the f- when I'm working at my computer, uh, writing or editing or whatever it is, and I hear her walking around the apartment doing things, that's a soothing feeling for me. Mm. Um, but a few years ago, that would be an annoying thing for me. Mm. Um, and so I don't know what happened there, Jimmy. <laughs> well, uh, it just sounds like you saw the value of her um, being without her. Um, yeah. the, the thought of her leaving you shook you. Yeah. Really bad. You, yeah. <laughs> So, uh, yeah, I can't really be without her <laughs> right. anymore. And you sound uh, very happy, you know, and I really, and again, congratulations to you. you yeah. Yeah, thanks. We're in, we're, in a, we're in a great place. We've been together for, like I said, t- this is, yeah, 10 years in September. Wow. So, um, I, yeah, she's um, a part of me almost. Right. I can't think without her. <laughs> so, Talk to me about like some what I mean. I know about your passion about for film, and you know, um, I would say what advice you would give your younger self when you oh. now. 
<laughs> oh yeah wow there's so many of them oh my god um one of them would definitely be uh, especially how naive i was uh, and arrogant uh, i was at least in my mind when i when i graduated film school in america came back to sweden i'm gonna show you how it's done now film I, i'm i'm now gone to film school i'm an educated person now i know film now which is such a ridiculous thing and nothing. <laughs> uh, you don't need to go to film school in order to make film that most important thing to be a filmmaker is just to make films uh, mm-hmm. film school can be a great thing in many ways especially because of the people you meet you like you meet like-minded mm-hmm. people you get to play with expensive equipment you otherwise wouldn't be able to afford Mm-hmm. Uh, but also you're in a safe space to fail which is very important right I, that, I yeah so oh, hey you know what you're not gonna get a job directing a film right off of film school Tobias really what do you think <laughs> what are you thinking <laughs> uh, one step at a, at a time baby steps and uh, ego is something that I've been struggling with a lot and I think a lot of creators are I, I think, think that's Yes, like I mean, I <laughs> it's something I see in a lot of filmmakers and their egos and stuff like that. And you know, it's one of my you know friends has a huge ego, and I see it stop him all the time. And I'm just you know, it's hard to deal with that sort of ego and call it out on someone. It's really hard to call it out. Yeah. And without wanting to upset someone or even in yourself because you're you're in it and you don't know right. how you're affecting and impacting other people when you're in that egotistical mm-hmm. space mm-hmm. uh yeah that's a horrible place to be uh <laughs> I, I get there well I, I i get there and josephine is very good with uh, just slapping it out of me right <laughs> uh, but i will get there uh and that's not a good place. It always holds me back. It's never positive in any way, shape, or form. It has never helped me. Uh, what has helped me is to listen to other people. Mm-hmm. Uh, see them, see the other people and listen to them. Listen to your uh, friends, your close friends. Uh, they don't want you any harm. Right, yeah. <laughs> so it's like listen some, to them. Surround yourself with people who you trust too. That Exactly, right. Yeah. Um, and yeah, when they call you out, it's even worse. <laughs> that's just yeah I know yeah. Uh, it's a hard one <laughs> right um, but um, yeah what else advice would I give have patience what right. I would give definitely I would say that to 24 year old Tobias you need to have patience um, and uh, don't rush things mm, just slow down take it easy you're 24 years old it's fine Uh, I have have had a struggle with that my whole life thinking that I am older than I really am like when I was 20 years old I'm a grown up I should know everything now and I know I knew nothing (laughs) (laughs) all right Uh, still to this day I'm 33 years old now and uh, uh, so much stuff I haven't figured out yet and uh, and we're all different we just need to be on our own we need to walk our own what do you call it path path Um, yes so yeah patience listen to people and um yeah 
Yeah. That's what I would tell I young Tobias. Yeah, I, I really love that. And especially with being the patient part, you know, um, I had hurt my, I'm, uh, you don't know about this, but I hurt my back like a year ago and I, I could barely get out of bed. But it was in so much pain. It was like to roll oh. over. It was just excruciating. And I always ask myself this question, you know, what is this here to teach me? And it was like, slow down, like slow everything down to like really pay attention to the details, what's around me. Cause like, cause you, I, and also listen to your body. Yeah. Listen to your body and take care of yourself, you know, especially, you know, in your, like listening to what you were talking about and your unhappiness, you know, you were in the room not taking care of yourself and your your body and that could really play an effect so that was for me like really slowing down take care of my body watch what i eat watch what i'm putting in my mouth you know um like really pay attention to what i'm doing in life before i miss life pass me by you know that was you know um and i and i really want to talk about too your visuals like what really inspires you because like i'm just like you know like i said before your your instagram photos are just absolutely just just gorgeous and just and just how you evolved in the over the eight years since i've known you is just so just absolutely fantastic so how talk to me about like how do you even come up with your visual concepts like i mean how do you even put them together what inspires you like what is your process you know oh uh well okay (laughs) thank you very much um yeah um hmm. what inspires me people inspires me all the time and that's really if if i look at my filmmaking career um under a microscope we would probably see a lot of wide shots in the beginning. Mm-hmm. And now I'm sort of in a close up uh, when it comes to at least uh, my subjects. And my, I guess what I, what I really love is to let the actors go and you sort of become a fly on the wall and you're here. Uh, you're shooting the close up of the actors and you see their eyes, you see the small details, and there's not really uh, dialogue, can't really tell what's can't really do the thing here mm-hmm. it's just uh, people you kind of getting a glimpse into their soul almost when you're when you're this close mm-hmm. that's always what i what separates film from its uh, closest cousin um, theater is uh we can actually be really close in a film right. and see what's really going on behind people's eyes almost and that's really what interests me the most um they tell you stuff in film school like don't do too many close-ups in your film because then you're sort of you're overusing it and it won't have the same effect it's still such bullshit thing to tell kids (laughs) such a bullshit thing to do (laughs) don't tell them that uh you want to use wide shots because they look expensive yeah they really they really are expensive so don't use yeah don't use too many of those so so what are some well, well go ahead go ahead finish i'm like getting ideas but go ahead no no no, no but yeah so that's really it uh how i get my visual concepts is really just from people listening to people watching people going just taking long walks me my my fiance what we love to do really and we try to do it as often as possible just to get out into the forest and walk 
mm. uh, just get away for hours and hours and hours and just be in nature. Uh, that's and I always bring my camera. Uh, I always shoot. I always write and uh, always be in that Zen moment almost. Mm. And that's um, yeah. I, I really love what you're saying too, because <clears throat> it's like you know, people are informed your filmmaking. And I and I rem- when I remember I remember when I was an actor. I first started out in New York. One of the things I realized that I see a lot of mistakes that other filmmakers and actors make is that they don't live life. And I was like, how am I going to be an actor when I haven't even been in a relationships or a relationship? I don't even know what it is to be in love or let alone how to navigate in a relationship. So, you know, and a part of being a creator you're in, that create that informs your creativity is you pull from your life right <clears throat> self knowledge right you know you pull those tools from your life and you you bring things to life mm-hmm. so how did you discover that and how why is it important to you to like live life and bring that to the screen um well that's that that's where the authenticity comes from that's yeah. how you that's how you make it resonate with your audience mm-hmm. so at least that's what i when i watch movies and movies that really hits it home with me it's when i uh, can relate to what's mm-hmm. being shown right in front of me uh and uh i went from my instagram account because i now i'm actually i i looked at it now and it's kind of interesting in a way where mm-hmm. if you step back it's black and white and then suddenly color comes in and uh, if you look at my black and white photos, I think that was, they're dated 2014 or something. Yeah. I was doing a lot of black and white stuff there and I was also not in a very good place. Mm. And then now suddenly there's a lot more color, color. in my work. <laughs> uh, I just realized that now when I'm looking at it. But, uh, and that's, I think that's a reflection a little bit of me uh, living life more and actually taking time off mm. um, to be with, uh, uh, to be with my friends and family and uh, actually going out into nature and you can just bring your camera. I never saw myself as a photographer. I still don't, but I love taking pictures. I love photography, and it's I love I love it because partially because it's not a job for me. I don't get paid for doing it. Mm-hmm. It's just something I do because of me, because I just like doing it. Mm. That's all, and that's very important. And also, when it comes to writing, for me, it's I do it for me because mm. I love it. And I actually am able to shape my thoughts and opinions when I do it way better than in conversations with people. Mm. So, yeah. And I, I want to touch back on stuff that you said earlier about film school, like some of the bullshit things that film school people, film school, film school teaches you. So what are some like bullshit ideas that film school taught you? And you're like, no, this is what you should do. You should break out of whatever. Yeah. It's all, I mean, the, <laughs> to be the devil's advocate, I mean, I, I do enjoy, I do understand the process of learning the rules in order to break them. Right, yeah, yeah. But some of the rules are just ridiculous. Like the 180 degree rule, like you're not supposed to cross this line, this invisible line with your camera. Mm-hmm. If you do, the audience will be disoriented and not know where the characters are in the, the space mm-hmm. it's ridiculous right uh, in many ways like it, it, 
uh, such a stupid thing, really. Uh, but then, yeah, the close-up thing is the worst of all. I don't understand that. Um, and what else did they teach you that was just out of this world? Uh, huh. Oh, yeah. Especially when it comes to, like, screenwriting. Mm. You need to keep to a three-act structure. And uh, it comes, becomes very formula, everything you're supposed to do. At this page, uh, there's the inciting incident. At this page, and this ten, page. Yeah. yeah, right, the 10, at page 10. And then at page 50, that's when the midpoint comes. And there can be a midpoint twist and blah, blah. It's just bullshit. <laughs> bullshit. It just doesn't work that way. It's, uh, I, th- I use stuff like the three-act three structure when I'm writing a script only in the beginning stages of just sort of creating a framework mm-hmm. sort of where do I put things blah, 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 and then that goes out the window as fast as possible as soon as possible and then I just get to writing because there's so many other variables you need to pay attention to right. keeping yourself locked down to a three-act structure is bullshit right <laughs> I, I mean I really love like sort of the I guess the thing that you <clears throat> which I I love and I wish other filmmakers would do like you know it's great you you, you write you have that film uh, you have the scripts you have that shot list and they're just like they're just there as your guy but you know they're just a guide you can break those rules you mm-hmm. know what I mean because you can come back to um, and I and I know one of the other mistakes I I learned as a DP is it's unrealistic to do 11, 11 shots in one day. Um, and I'm just and I I did two films and I was like, you're not gonna get this in one day. Are we gonna make it? I was like, okay. <clears throat> Especially one particular film, they wanted to be out in the snow with no coats, and we had to go to this upstate in the snow. I didn't even know. Even though I had winter boots, the snow came up to my knees and it was, <laughs> we were all freezing yeah. and cold play. Uh, I, I, people underestimate what it takes to film out in the cold. Uh, <laughs> I go by the nickname Tobias Frost. Oh, God. <laughs> my, it sounds terrible, but. I tend to always, I'm the guy that always shoot in winter under the worst conditions ever. It's not by choice. It's just, again, I'm in Scandinavia. Like, we have three months of sun, (laughs) darkness almost. Uh, But it's, uh, and I mean, the, the, uh, the work ethic when you're in such a bad weather under such bad weather conditions uh and it's really cold goes down like this like mm. the work ethic just dives down instantly yes. <laughs> i it's really hard and you really need to don't um, under uh underestimate that yeah uh, at all it's really hard especially when you're dealing with kids yeah and you and <clears throat> and the and the and one of the films in particular wasn't prepared for like buying like warmers but having things for actors in their hands and because he was shooting a film that was most supposed to be summer 
And they and I was just like, how are we gonna do this? Like, dude, you need to have like warmer, something jacket, something over these actors. Otherwise, it's constantly running in out of cars and vans. And you know, he had no heaters, he had no warm coffee, he had no no water, no nothing. And I'm just like, we're just we were just wasting time. Like, uh, he was just not like prepared at all. Yeah, there's so much things that you need to think about, especially, I mean, you're also, you're, I mean, bathrooms. Where do right. people go to bathrooms? Yeah. <laughs> I did one shoot, this is many years ago, in a forest out in the middle of nowhere. Uh, and one of the girls that was involved in the, one of the crew members uh, needed to use the bathroom. And it so happens that she had her period. Oh, uh, no. And there wasn't any bathroom. I hadn't thought of that at all. Uh, I was like, use the bushes. Oh, no. I get it. I'm so sorry. Oh, Jesus Christ. I hadn't really thought of that. Oh, my God. I'm such a stupid white man. <laughs> I was like, damn it. I'm so sorry. How do we deal with this? Kid? Okay. Yeah. Let's. Okay. Hmm. Let someone take her to the parking lot and get her in a car and drive her to the nearest bathroom now. Wow. Wow. That's stuff like that you don't really think of um, until they happen. And then you're sort of, you feel like a douchebag. <laughs> yeah. So, they can learn. <laughs> yes, lesson learn. Yeah. So we're coming to the end. I'm going to shoot you a couple quick questions and just tell me what comes to mind. Okay. Uh, so what does a life of love mean to you? Uh, the life of love, what it means to me... Um, Safety. Mm. Um, yeah, warmth, safe, safe. Yeah, safety. And really. what have you learned from your current relationship that informs your creativity? Uh, listen. Mm. Mm. And what does a juicy love life looks like to you? What a juicy love life looked to me. Um, getting up in the morning and drinking coffee and uh, going to this, to uh, the bakery and buy some really good bread and mm. uh, just sitting and talking in the kitchen and drinking orange juice together. Mm. That's uh, one of the best moments uh, in my life when I do that with Josephine. Mm. Um, and uh, we only do it on weekends because we both work really early, so we don't really have time in the morning. So we only do it in weekends, and that's the best part of my weekend. Mm, that's beautiful. And <clears throat> what was the most impactful movie that you've watched? Oh, oh, that's a hard one, Jimmy. Oh no! It's, come on. Okay. Yeah. Well. Okay. Oh. Uh, <laughs> as a kid. Okay, so I have to sort of split this a little bit. As a okay. child, what got me into filmmaking was Terminator 2. Really? <laughs> yes. <laughs> I thought that was that was uh, such a thrill ride, and it was it took itself so seriously, and it mm -hmm. was so dark, and it was so grown up, and it was uh, there was this mother and son relationship that really resonated with me and the kid listened to Guns N' Roses and I also listened to Guns N' Roses <laughs> public enemy obviously so but that was really the film where I asked my dad who makes films and he goes the director um, <laughs> okay 
I want to be that. Uh, that's what I want to do for the rest of my life. And I was about seven years old when that happened. So,、mm. and I kept it at that. So, in that sense, that movie was very important for me because it sort of started my.、Uh, but as a、um, the movie that I constantly go back to to get inspiration before I go and sh- shoot or make something,、um, should be、uh, like Blade Runner. In a way. Oh, directed by Guillermo del Toro. No, with this guy. Who was the way? Oh my God, I messed it up. Who was, who was the director on that one?、Uh, Ridley Scott was directed later. Oh, I got、yeah. it.、Uh, Why that I, movie? I, I, because it's,、uh, it's such a weird apple. I mean, it's so strange. It's, it's, it's like no other movie ever made.、Uh, it's a science fiction film that really it's extremely existential. And in its own way, that none, none other film in that genre has ever been close to touching.、Mm. So, talking about just the meaning of life and what is life and the importance of life. And、um, also, you're following a, a protagonist that's not, that's not kind of, it's not really a good guy.、Mm. I don't even like Rick Deckard <laughs> in a way, yet he's super interesting to me. And、uh, the The bad people in that movie, like the antagonist Roy, the android, he's,、uh, you totally understand where he's coming from and what he's done and what he's、mm. seen and why he's doing what he's doing.、Uh, you can very much empathize with him.、Mm. Uh, and、um, it's just such a visually beautiful film as well.、Mm. It's gorgeous. The way they lit it, the rain, that's the movie that really taught me、uh, the importance of.、Uh, Background, mid ground, and foreground.、Mm. But really, you build, you build your images all the way to the end and back. And、uh, don't be afraid to shoot in rain or snow and stuff like that. And that, those stuff, textures are very important、mm. to me. And all that came from Blade、yeah. Runner. Wow. So, <clears throat> last question What are three film equipment that you can't live without? Yeah. Um, it's my multi, multi tool, multi tool knife、uh, pocket thing.、Mm-hmm. Could not live without it. Best thing I ever got. I got it for, as a Christmas gift for my little brother. We used to give each other Xbox games, but this time he gave me this thing, and that's、uh, the best tool I've ever had.、Uh, second thing is、um, oh my God, hang on. What is that? Red whips. Red whips. There's, there's it's like little rubber bands.、Uh-huh. This, and you have this little thing here, and you、ah. can catch anything with these guys. You can just everything from lights to wires, cords, everything. They, they're reusable. Yeah, they're reusable and they're super cheap. You buy a package of these guys and.、Uh, They work they work pretty much for anything, not, not, not only in film shoots, but the rest of it <laughs> works for everything. And then my last thing would be um, um, what would that be?、Huh. Yeah, it would be my f- not, I don't want to say my phone, but my note, the note app on my phone. The note app? On my phone.、Mm-hmm. Uh, I have an iPhone and it comes with this. Yeah. 
regular know that because I use that all the time. Mm. Uh, I use that. That's I I write when I'm on the bus. Mm. I write down I, if I listen to music. I get a lot of ideas from listening to music in that note app. If I didn't have that, I don't even know where I would be. Right. Well, you can also use pen and paper, obviously. Right. <laughs> <laughs> this is more convenient. Right. And what's your favorite uh, camera to shoot on? Um, the one I'm using right now is a Panasonic uh, Eva One. It's called. Okay. Uh, it's my. Uh, it took me a long time to uh, decide what new camera I was buying because I was playing around with the DSLR cameras for a long time, and I rented equipment. But then eventually, Josephine, my fiance, told me you need to buy a new camera because this is getting ridiculous. <laughs> so I purchased this camera, and it's lightweight and it's has super good color science, and um, it's a very it's very uh, user friendly. Mm. And because I'm not really a tech, techy, techy, tech guy, I have I always have to take a long time to learn things. Uh, so uh, and then this camera is quite easy, and that helps. You can focus on the art and not mm. just the stuff. Because film is you're you're a technician, like 50% technician and 50% uh, creative, and that's just the game. Like that, that's. I mean, you have to know how to use the brush before you, and you know, you have to know how to mix colors before you paint a painting, mm. and uh, know your tools. Wow. And um, and it's hard sometimes, but you're just gonna have to do it. Yep. And where can people find you online? Um, my website is called nightalvision.com, and uh, my Instagram is just nightalvision, one word. Uh, that's where you can find me. Uh, I don't really use Facebook that much, uh, only for like family members and you. I contact you. <laughs> um, but yeah, Instagram is probably where I hang out the most. Yeah. So, um, yes, please go to his Instagram, Night Owl Vision. Uh, gorgeous stuff, beautiful images, and check out his website. His trailer film for his work is just absolutely stunning. And so, Tobias, uh, I just want to thank you for just taking your time out in beautiful Sweden uh, <laughs> and doing this with me. And, you know, I truly, honestly can't wait to see more of your work. And I hopefully, you know, see you again. And I, I would love to do something with you again and maybe help you produce something or something in the future because I just love what you're doing. Thank you, man. I appreciate it. And likewise, uh, I'm I'm so impressed with all the stuff that you put out on social media, and just how persistent you are with it. <laughs> I'm trying. I, that's that's. It's become a little bit where I'm trying to sort of follow you. I try <laughs> to keep up a little bit with you, but I realize that's not a race I'm gonna. I mean, not even close. It's not it, 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 it takes a time. Like it takes a lot of like, you know. Uh, practice and I meet a lot of people and like I think it was just this one guy I met at this gay bar he's Instagram famous and he gave me some advice and I I watched his Instagram he has like over 470 something thousand people and you know and in two years he now doesn't work he does what he wants to do he's in fashion he hosts his thing he was like you have to be consistent he was like, yeah. you got to post every single day. You got to find your look. You need to post every day. And so after that, I just like changed everything that I did. And I started to see the results of that. 
And I too was like, oh my God, I got to like do all this and blah, blah, blah. And I had to like, shut up, Jimmy, do what you got to do. If you, this is going to be to not work in catering, whatever, for two years, I'm going to do what I have to do to make this happen. Um, so anyway, so thank you again. Well, it's very impressive. It's really, uh, yeah, it's really something to look up to and yeah. to follow, especially if you want to be in the social media world. Uh, people should definitely see how you're doing it. Oh, it's- thank you. Hey guys, so don't forget to subscribe on Instagram at Jimmy Allen and Twitter, simply Jimmy. And don't forget to rate, rate, subscribe, comment, and share this podcast if you enjoyed it. Thank you guys for joining me. This is Jimmy Allen with Crazy Juicy Love. Hey guys, are you ready to call in your one? Are you ready to become wildly magnetic to the partner that you deserve and start creating that crazy, juicy love? Well, I am offering a discount package when you listen to this podcast. So when you listen to this podcast, you follow me on Instagram, you DM me and say, you listen to this podcast, and I will offer you a discount on a seven-week session. Crazy, juicy love.